This is episode number 653 with Iron Cowboy James Lawrence. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Maya Angelou said, you may encounter many defeats, but you must not be defeated. In fact, it may be necessary to encounter the defeats so you can know who you are, what you can rise from, how you can still come out of it. I'm excited about this episode because I don't think I've ever met a man who's put himself through this much pain. This man is James Lawrence. He's a record-setting triathlete known as the Iron Cowboy. He holds the current world record for the most Ironman distance triathlons completed within a single calendar year, 30 of them in 2012. He also holds the record for the most half Ironman distance triathlons in one year, 22, in 2011. In 2015, he completed the insanely crazy 50 Ironman length triathlons in 50 consecutive days, one in each of the 50 U.S. states. Yes, I did not mistake myself. And when I said this man is almost insane, but he's so cool at the same time. And I was so excited to connect with him, to learn about how he disciplined his mind to go through so much pain and such a long time, you know, we're talking 12, 14 hours at a time to complete one of these Ironman triathlons and to do it every single day for 50 days, it just blows my mind. So I wanted to learn how, how he was able to even train for this, how he was able to get a big enough why to stick it out. You know, sometimes people can't even do a 20-minute workout and he's doing 50 days in a row, 14 hours a day, basically killing himself. How was he able to find a deep enough why? How do you keep going when you want to quit? How do you restart your career after you've failed big? You know, we talked about the key to accomplishing a massive goal and avoid overwhelm or breakdown. Also, whether talent or hard work matters more in high performance and the best way to talk to yourself when you're alone and struggling. This, my friends, and so much more is a powerful episode. Make sure to share with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 653. Tag me at lewishouse on Instagram. Let me know that you're listening and check out the full video interview show notes back there as well. Before we dive in, big shout out to the fan of the week. This is from Dig Kid, who said, truly great. Ever since I was a little kid, I knew I wanted to do great things. Throughout my life, when I talked about this drive inside me, people around me didn't believe in me or didn't take what I said seriously. For so long, I felt like I was the only one who felt this way until I found the School of Greatness. For the first time in my life, I feel I've actually found a community that I belong to. This podcast changed my life. The first time I listened to an episode, my entire mindset that had felt so unusual from those around me was instantly validated. The information, energy, guidance, and self-elevating content on this podcast is 100% priceless. 
So my friend, dig kid, you are not alone. And anyone else listening, you are not alone. If you've got that crazy passion, desire, dream, energy, you've got a community right here. It's called the School of Greatness. Welcome to the family. We got to do a big family group hug sometime. And I think at the Summit of Greatness, I'm going to have everyone who attends the Summit of Greatness this year, we're going to do, uh, we're going to try to create the biggest group hug possible. And maybe one year we'll be able to do the biggest, we'll create our own world record for the biggest group hug. Uh, that's what I want to create. So I want to see you guys there. Summitofgreatness.com. Make sure you get your ticket for the event in October. Big thank you again to Dig Kid. If you guys haven't left your review yet, you can do that on the podcast app on your phone or go to School of Greatness over on iTunes and leave one there. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. We've got the Iron Cowboy, James Lawrence, in the house. Good to see you, man. Good to be here. Excited about this one. You did something crazy a few years ago. Let me make sure I got it right. 50 Ironmans in 50 states in 50 days. Is that right? Correct. 50 Ironman triathlons. Is that what it's called? Yeah. So triathlon is anything swim, bike, or run. Yeah. Ironman is a brand. It is a full-distance triathlon. And so we covered the distance of a full-distance triathlon every day for 50 days, which is seven weeks. And then we did one in every state. And so for seven weeks, wake up, do a full-distance Ironman, and uh, call it a day. And what's the distances for the Ironman? So an Ironman, or full-distance triathlon, is a 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike, followed by a standard 26.2-mile marathon run, which totals 1046 miles right in a day in a day so the entire 50 days we covered just over 7,000 miles um, across the country so a full marathon every day for 50 days by itself is a lot but you added a hundred something mile bike and a two mile plus swim correct yeah and one of the days you took a a kid with you right who was cerebral palsy yeah and you swam with him yeah he trailed in the back in like a little little tow boat thing yeah you biked with him and you ran with it, right? Right. It's crazy, man. Yeah. So, so the whole Dayton story is is unique in itself. So in 2012, leading up to the 50, I broke the Guinness World Record for the most official Ironman events in a single calendar year. In right? a year. Which in a year. 30? 30, yep. And in that year, on race 27, is when I spent that day with Dayton. And uh, and and we had some, some complications. Difficulty turned into a huge day. Um, we just made the cutoff by less than, than 25 minutes and gave him his first Ironman medal. Um, and so I wanted to kind of have a do-over with Dayton in 2015 when we were doing the 50. But I didn't realize, um, and I have no idea why I wouldn't have realized this, but the compounding effect of an Ironman a day is insane, right? And so <laughs> you like, did 30 in a year. Right, and then so. You had a week off. Yeah, exactly, right? So I'm like, ah, it should, should be okay. But so by the time we got to Dayton on the 50 on day number seven, I'd already torn my shoulder. I was completely exhausted. We were trying to figure out logistics. We'd hit a deer in the middle of the night coming to from Vegas to, to Arizona. And Dayton shows up, and I'm just, like, panicked, and I don't know how, to, how, to, how I'm going to pull him in, in this day. And so um, the wingman, we had, I had two guys with me full-time that were everything to me. Uh, Casey, for the whole tour. Casey and Aaron, yeah, for the whole 50 days. They, they came out with me, and they, you know, we called them the wingman. But they were unbelievable. And so Casey... Casey and Aaron were exhausted as, as much as I was because they, they had to help me all day and then drive all night, right? So 24 hours a day. So we're seven days into this, and they're, they're exhausted, and they go, 
I'm dating sitting there and I'm like, dude, I, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can. And uh, Casey goes, I'll pull him. I'll pull him in the swim beside you. Wow. And then Aaron goes, I'll pull him on the bike and then we'll, we'll do them together on the run. And so the three of us oh kind of worked together to get Dayton through this day because we were so exhausted seven days in, having no idea how we were gonna do this and Dayton's sitting there, right? And he's, he's excited to do this event. And so we were kind of like, okay, what, how, how are we going to do this? And so it's just a really cool, I still want another do-over with Dayton because it was a By yourself. Yeah, to, for, for me to do it and, uh, and have another experience with them. Problem is, he's, he's almost 20 now, and he's, he's a big he's kid. Bigger. He's, a, he's yeah. a big kid. And so back, back then in 2012, you know, he was in his, his teens, and between him and his car, he still weighed 195 pounds. So now, I mean, we're going to be pushing 250, which adds hmm. a ton of complications and things like that. So who knows if it'll ever happen. I've had two real special days with Dayton. That's cool. That I'll never forget, and one that I got to share with the wingmen, and they kind of helped get Dayton through that. So special wow. moments in my journey have been with, with him. So seven days in, you're thinking to yourself, what did I get myself into? Oh, dude, day one, I'm thinking to myself, what did I get myself You're like, I need a few days to recover. Well, for sure, because 50 states includes Hawaii and Alaska, and so you have, you to, fly. You have to fly. You have to fly. There's, that's the only on way. Sleep on a plane, no recovery. Sleep on a plane, no recovery. So the first three events that we did, three full Ironmans, three days, three states, total six and a half hours of sleep on, on an airplane, right? And to do the first one, in order to get off the island of Hawaii, into Alaska, we had to start the first one at midnight. So no sleep going into this project and then do the first three on no sleep. Oh. And so waking up on day number four, you're like, that was the real, that was kind of the real moment where you're like, oh my gosh, I, Why have, am 40, I, doing this? I have 47 consecutive Ironmans and we have no idea how this is gonna happen. And then every single day, we were presented with incredible reasons to quit and, and, and back out of this. Injury, no sleep. Oh, just, yeah, just logistics. Just hitting a deer. Yeah, oh man, it just, I mean, you hit a deer in the middle of the night, it takes out your generator, and you can no longer take food with you because your fridge is gone. That's not something you, you plan for on day six. Oh my gosh. To have no solution for food. And when I've got to feed a crew and 12,000 calories a day for me, I mean, just, where are you getting your food, right? because everything became so minute to minute and chaotic, solve this problem early, wow. right? And so just just things compounded immediately out of the gates starting on day one, and then it just was like this master puzzle of how to problem solve. The universe was telling you, you should quit. You should give up, you should stop. For You're sure. crazy, don't do this. Yeah. So why did you, how did you push through and why did you continue? It wasn't even an option, it wasn't even on the table. We were all in as a team. A lot of people don't know this about my story. It's in the book, Redefine Impossible. But in 2008, I owned a mortgage company, mm. and then we lost everything. And this like was- Like every mortgage broker. Every, exactly. I mean, yeah. I'm not unique yeah, in, yeah. in that scenario, but it, it hit our sector incredibly hard. Right, yeah. And we fought for two years, tried to recoup, and, and just ended up losing everything, which was really hard for me as a father, as a husband, as a provider, right? I'm, I've got five kids, and just to be just diminished to nothing. And so this was a rebuild. This was an opportunity to do something where I had passion about and to, to hopefully have impact and, and get people to shift their mindsets. And so when I'm sitting there and everything's saying quit, for me it wasn't an option. And I had to figure out a way to continue to move this forward because I knew if we got to the other side of this, doors would open up. Mm. Opportunities would change. And I've, I've been shoved into this. Trust me, I'm not a, I'm not a designed motivational speaker that's tony robbins that's what he that's his jam right but the demand for it and what we did was so 
you know, on the far side of possibility. Extreme, yeah. Extreme, that it's just, it's really pushed and navigated us towards doing this as a career. And that from stage, I talk about becoming uncomfortable intentionally. And that, that's how you evolve and you adapt and you grow and you learn. And for me, people are always like, what's next? And I'm like, dude, hey, there's no, there's no physical or mental next. Like, that was it. For me now, it's getting up on stage and, and doing these podcasts. This is me becoming uncomfortable intentionally so that I, I can impact people yeah. and help them get unstuck from the current situation that they're in. And so that was a huge driving factor for us. I was like... You knew on the other side of pain was I, on, on the other side of these seven weeks is a new life is a new opportunity, is the gateway to our family having an opportunity to impact and help people. And, and ultimately, that's, that's what the, the a massive driving force for this was. And uh, man, we have been, been humbled. Just last year, traveled to 30 countries, um, sharing the message and the story. People are just craving it. And the message that we get now, after someone has, has uh, felt part of our journey, and the changes that they're making, is so humbling and so gratifying. And what what I, what wakes me up every day and wants me to keep mm. keep driving. Right? That's great. How long does it take on average to finish the Ironman triathlon? So, on a world stage for you, for me, okay. So anything just right under ten hours is a great day for me. If you're right? doing fifty in a row, fifty in a row, you're talking fourteen to seventeen hours. Okay, but if you're doing one, you're fresh. You've had a month of training. Nine something. Nine something is like your bet. And what's like the world record? World record was just set again. It's just under just under eight hours. Got it. Okay. At the world championships, the pros at a professional level in the prime of their career, eight oh three to eight oh five. Wow. Yeah, right in there. So you're doing nine on a great day. Yep. Which is still incredible. Sure. The average athlete is doing twenty probably. The fourteen. The time cap is, is seventeen. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, they cut you off at seventeen, they close the course, you're done. Got it. And so your majority of the field is coming in. 13, 14, 15 hours. That's kind of like, I've done it. Benchmarks are break 12, break 10, break nine. Yeah. Right, those are your so big benchmarks. You really gotta pace yourself if you're doing 50 in a row. Oh, it's a totally different game. It's a slow game. It's a slow game, it's it's a big picture, and a lot of people don't have that, right? They just, just go out of the gate and, and Get me implode. through this thing. Yeah, guys try to do this type of thing all the time and they don't understand what it takes and how durable you have to be and what type of athlete you have to be. We, we were heavily criticized for the amount of strength training we did leading up to the 50. They're like, dude, this is a 50-day endurance training. What are you doing powerlifting you for? You had to, though. Absolutely. But they don't understand, look, the way to get injured is to not do physical strength. I had to go into the 50 kind of like as a lineman, yeah. knowing that I was going to be, you just Wear break down. down <laughs> and just buy. There was no recovery on the 50. There was no, it was a matter of holding on and staying mentally sharp. And just, we averaged four hours of sleep a night. You don't recover in four hours of sleep. Your body it doesn't. Get through yeah. it. Yeah, it doesn't get through it. The only way it gets through is if you're strong enough. So guys try this all the time and they get sidelined with ligament injuries and, and tendons and stress fractures and all these things. And then you're done. And then you're done. You 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 physically can't, can't you can't do it. And it's not a matter of pain. It's just you. If a ligament bl- snaps, you're done. like you snap an Achilles, you're done. Done. I don't care how mentally how t- much I don't care how mentally you tough you are and whatnot. That's something you can't overcome. I crashed on the bike on day 18. I fell asleep on my bike and crashed, but because I was durable enough, I didn't break my collarbones. I didn't. I didn't snap an arm. I didn't. I was able to navigate and and fight through the pain and teach my body. Look, you've, we're going to do an Ironman tomorrow, and so you've got to figure out how to heal during this process. And so even even during training, as we were building strength, when when something would come up, I didn't I didn't take the time off. I 
put a great team around me and I was like, look, I have to teach my body to adapt while under stress. Mm -hmm. If I teach my body that when it, when it presents pain to me that I'm going to stop, it's gonna go, okay, this is, as soon as I present pain, he's gonna back off, yeah. right? And so I had to teach my body, look, you're gonna show me pain, but I'm going to teach you and you have to recoup and recover because we have to do it again tomorrow. And it got to the point where my body was becoming so efficient that it, um, it craved. It craved doing an Ironman. The single hardest endurance uh, event in, in sports, my body craved wanting to do it. It, it expected. It started to recover quick. Yeah. And it, say, when are we as, going next? As soon as I stopped, it said, I have four hours. I have four hours and he's going to go again. And it's going to regenerate. It's, it's going to be strong. You're going to be yep. awake, yep. alert. What people don't realize is, is by giving my body an opportunity to recoup, recover, and, and force it into adaptation, my last 20 in a year of 50 where they said it was impossible were my fastest 20. Wow. Right? I believe it, though. For sure. Yeah. I believe it. I mean, as a decathlete, I remember my first decathlon in college. It took me like two weeks to recover. This is a two-day event, 10 events. Sure. It's not as extreme as a 14-hour Ironman triathlon, but for me, it's extreme in the sense that it's a lot of explosion. It's like the fastest you can go, the most power, the most jumping. Oh, the Catholics, that's a, that's a tough job. It's, it's a whole other type of using your body. And I was just, I mean, in my bed for two weeks, like barely jogging to recover. And every month I would do another one, and it got a little easier. Yeah. And I remember I needed to make the cut for the national, to qualify for the national championships, they only take the top 16 in the country. And my score was at like 20. So I knew that I had to do another decathlon about five days before the national championships to give myself a chance of making it. And I do this, I do them like back-to-back -back weekends. And I just trained my body more and more to, to recover faster that I was stronger every time I did that, and when I did the back-to-back -back weeks, it was like I was even stronger the next time with four days recovery going into the next decathlon. Initially, right when I started, I was like, man, I feel tired. But after the first event, it was like my body kicked into like recovery mode. It's kind of like when you go to the gym and you do a hard leg day, yeah. and then two days later, you can barely walk. Yeah, or but, sit on the toilet. Or sit or do anything, yeah. but you do like more legs again, and you're like, how am I gonna do this? But after a few minutes, your body like, the soreness goes away. It's crazy. That's the hardest thing is to get back into the gym because after a long break, because you're like, man, I am going to be so sore. But once you get through that, and then you can, like, perfect example is riding a bike. I could do, when I was in the peak of my training, six hours in a saddle was nothing. Oh, my gosh. And then after taking two years off, being forced to recover and, and being on these tours, I go do a two-hour workout on the bike now, and I'm like, holy cow, I took for granted the the just conditioning that, that you yeah. get into and what that looks like. And so... Because when we announced the the 50, I was just coming off the 30. I was in peak condition. It was literally the next logical step for me. And when we announced it, we were mocked and ridiculed for because they could not comprehend the, the, that it was even possible. And I, and I couldn't comprehend why they didn't think it was, right? Because from where I was sitting, the progression you was... You just did 30. I just done 30. In a so, year. In a year. Now 50 so, in 50 days right, is crazy. But it, it is still crazy. But for me, in my mind, it wasn't that big of a leap. Yeah. But for the, the person who has a hard time conceptualizing 5K... Mm -hmm. They're like, you're crazy. You're cra yeah, it's not, it's not possible. You're crazy. Yeah, and I guess.
One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When did you do your first Ironman triathlon? So I got into triathlon with my wife about 12 years ago uh-huh. and we started just doing the sprints, the real fast, yeah, yeah. short, short explosive stuff. ones, which is so fun. Um, I'm actually excited to get back into, into doing the short distance explosive stuff. Uh, but I did, I did my first Ironman distance in 2008. And so I think I was 32. Mm-hmm. And then it just it just escalated really quick. Um, you got hooked. You're addicted. I, I, I got hooked. And, and yeah. what's what's unique about the longer distance is there's so, there's so much more that goes into it. It's not just swimming, biking, running. It's can I master recovery? Can I master preparation? Can I master the mental side of stuff? Can I plan properly? The nutrition component is, is so, so key. And so it became, I've got to master five or six different categories in order to excel at the sport. Yeah. And now I've done 90, 90 Ironmans. And, uh, and just still, still the distance scares me because mm. there's, so many, there's so many unknowns and things that you like. This, this sport and this distance just demands so much respect. I always laugh on the inside when someone hasn't done an Ironman and then they do their first and then I'll get a message that says, what you did was unbelievable, but I didn't truly understand what it was until I did one. I did one. And there is no way I was waking up tomorrow and doing another one, right? Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of the, that's some, some of the greatest compliments I can get. When somebody really puts it into perspective and has had an experience, yeah. and then it's like, oh, man, this is a, this, what you did was a whole nother level. I've never done a half marathon, and I know if I did that, I'd be like, I'm done. You know, it's like, I couldn't even do this. But I'm sure once you push your body to those limits, it starts to say, yeah, you can do another. People see the headline 50, right? The story of the 50. They don't realize the decade that went in and the groundwork and the foundation that went into that. Mm-hmm. And then even, even the past two years is still part of that journey because it's, it's the recovery on the back side of that to get me back to where I'm functioning, right? And I can be a competitive athlete again. So yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not the 50 days. Back up real quick though, you, you were saying about fatigue and adaptation and, and the, the decathlon. If I did a journey like this again, which I won't, <laughs> but like if let's say I was to do a, a week long challenge, I would almost put myself under pretty intense stress leading up to it because I want to get through that difficult adaptation phase right. knowing I'm going to get stronger, right? I don't want my first seven days of an intense challenge to be the first seven days. Be fresh. Be fr- let, right. There's a fine balance there, right? Yeah, there's, yeah. there's a tipping point yeah. where you, you, you've done too much. but. I need to put my body in training. I've got to be conscious of the stress load that, that wow. needs to be put on. And people are like, no, 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 you, you want to take that time off and do this and that. And you're forgetting that that first week is traumatizing and it's your body's trying to figure it out. It takes time for the mind and body to come into alignment, right? For me, it was day 30. How many people quit before 30 consecutive Ironmans before mind and body come into sync? Everybody, right? 99.9% of people quit. I'm telling you, when, when mind and body come into harmony, that's when magic happens. Everybody's missing out on the magic because they quit because it's too hard. They don't allow that adaptation. You have to learn that the next step isn't going to kill you. 
Yeah. And it's in that next step that you learn. You adapt, you grow, you evolve. We quit before that moment, and, and very few people will ever get the opportunity to experience what our team did 30 through 50, to where an Ironman a day became routine, right? What was the greatest lesson you learned from all 50? Oh, man. Uh, mankind is alive and well, um, and people can shift, and it's okay to change your mind uh, about a person. And the amount of people that came out and helped us. I, nothing great ever is accomplished on our own, right? I had an unbelievable team behind me. I had a nation and now a globe that has come out and supported what we've done. I want to give back. I want to continue to share this story because the impact that it's having. Mm-hmm. And so the biggest thing that I, that I learned is mankind is cool. And to go around to 30 countries, uh, we're, we're unified. To not listen to all the crazy stuff that's going on in the world and just mm-hmm. connect with people. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are, are scared and don't do that. And they're, again, they're missing out on, yeah. on co- really cool experiences. Now, you said something that I love and I've been talking about since high school is really putting yourself in uncomfortable situations as often as possible, yeah. like demanding pain every single day in a safe environment, right? Not asking like someone to break my arm type of pain, but yeah, yeah, like yeah. putting your body through a type of stress that your mind says no. Why do you think that's such an important thing for every human to do? And what's the best way in your mind that we could do that every single day? We're either moving forward or we're digressing. We're never just standing still, right? So the longer we stay in our little comfort happy zone, we're eventually gonna start to go backwards. Yeah. And so this concept of intentionally doing something difficult is a thing of beauty. When, when we started to run into situations where we were faced with adversity and, and whatnot early on, I was like, yes. This is great. Like, challenge us right now because we're strong. Mentally, we're tough right now. Yeah. And that perseverance and resilience that we're going to gain right now, man, I can't tell you how much we're going to need that in the back half of this thing. Wow. And so when, when, we were, when we were up against it early on, I was like, yeah, this is great. We need to learn this stuff now, quick. Like, this is, we don't have time. This learning curve has got to be accelerated. And so, so man, I, I, think, I think people need to embrace challenges. It forces you to think, and it, when you're backed into a corner, and even though you can hit the panic button and choose not to see it, that's when you're gonna solve the biggest problems. I mean, when we lost everything in 2008, I was either going to be complacent, or I was gonna face some challenges, some demons and fears, and come out on the other side of that. Looking back, that was the best thing that ever happened to us, to, to lose everything. Yeah. It forced me to challenge. I would have never done this. I'd still be miserable writing mortgage loans, right? Mm-hmm. And, and just sucking at life, right? <laughs> right, right. And so because that happened, it forced me into a scenario to where I had to become a problem solver. It's such a blessing. I wish more people would hit rock bottom mm-hmm. um, because it, it helps them realize that, look, I can, I can do so much more. Yeah. What's something that we can do on a daily basis to help us increase our mental toughness or put ourselves through challenge or pain that's not gonna kill us. Yeah, you know, everybody's gonna be different. I talk about everybody, how everybody's hard is different. Um, and, everyone's and hard. Everybody's hard is different, right? What's hard for you might be right. easy and, and, for me or vice right, versa. And, and it's hard to also say, hey, this is what you need to do because where are you at your journey? At the beginning, middle, end? Are you approaching a different realm than anybody else is? So, so for, for you or anybody else, it's look, just write down your 10 biggest fears. And then let, let's find the least scary of those 10 and then break it into 10 categories and then let's attack that. And then overcome these at such a small level. And, and as you start to have these small victories, right? Success breeds success, confidence breeds confidence. And as soon as we have these small breakthroughs, 
Now we can start attacking some of our bigger fears, right? Whatever your fears are, whatever your heart is, we have, we've got to isolate that. You've got to be conscious. You've got to make. Some, you've got to re- have some conversations with yourself, yeah. right? That's the only way an individual is going to find out. Look, what scares me? What's holding me back? What is going to be the best version of me, and how do I find that? And so you have to engage with these conversations. That's why I love riding my bike, because it's it's me, my brain, you know, and just allowing thoughts to flow and, and process. Mm-hmm. And so I either come home with some of my worst ideas or best ideas after a bike ride. My wife gets scared when I do these long <laughs> rides. It's in those moments that you're going to say, look. What are my fears? How am I going to overcome those? And then we have to break those down and go, look, how do I overcome this smallest of small? And then as you progress, next thing you know, you're going to wake up and go, man, that, that's not scary anymore. Yeah. And I've, I've grown as a person. I'm a, I'm a better individual. And as you continue to do that process, you're going to wake up one day and you go, man, I've, mm. I've come a long way. Yeah. What was your greatest fear growing up? Great question. As a father, my, my biggest fear is not, not being the best person I can for them, right? Mm-hmm. I've got five kids, yeah. and uh, four of them are girls. Wow! And so that I, I, you know, there's just this massive responsibility. I want, I want, I want to create or, or help influence these girls to be tough individuals that that can handle their own. I mean, it's tough out there, especially for women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a dog fight, and and I want them to to have resilience and to, and to be tough and to be confident with with who they are and to be themselves. And so I think I think kind of one of my biggest fears is letting them down and letting my wife down because she does such an unbelievable job with the kids and she's very present. We, we have a high, hold a high value on her being home. She wants to be a mom and, and be really engaged with these kids um, and, and as do I, but I also have to provide and so yeah, yeah. that includes some travel. But I think, I think one of our biggest fears is not doing everything I can to give them a shot at being successful, allowing them to suffer and struggle and giving them the tools to mm. To, to not be complacent or too comfortable, right. to, to, to push them mentally and physically. Because I think, love this generation, I think they're super powerful. It's the fault of my generation that we're being too soft on these kids and crippling them. And once they, they go away to college, they're like, I, I, don't know, I don't know how to do this on my own, right? Yeah. And so I don't, I don't wanna, I don't, my fear is I don't wanna put my kids in that situation. Yeah, your greatest advice so far is to say you wish everyone hits rock bottom. Absolutely. So how do you set that up for your kids where you don't see them suffer Yeah. because you just want to protect it's, them it's and a, love them and yeah. like just hug them, but you're to, also To now. love them at the highest level is to allow them to suffer mm. and to, to not pick them up when they fall, <laughs> oh, wow. right? That is the greatest show of love. It's super hard to do because we want to give them everything. It's hard for people that don't have kids to understand the level of unconditional love or that, that, that connection you have with, with a child. It's hard, but it's something that I think you need to do. The, the highest show of love is to allow them to, to suffer and to, to learn and grow and adapt. Right? What's that look like for you as a dad? How do you let your daughters suffer? It's so hard. They're in such a, an innocent age range right now. I mean, 15, 14, 12, and 10 are my girls. And, uh, and just to... They're just suffering in high school already. I mean, it's junior high and high school. It's such a transitional, difficult age. It's awkward. It's hard. Kids are ruthless. It's so hard not to be like, ah, I'm mama bear and papa bear here and we're going to protect you. We just, we just allow them to, we give them guidance and we just try to steer them and set an example. And I, I love that some of people in our lives are just dumpster fires because they're great teaching points for our kids, right? Oh. We're like, look, look at this. This, 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 this is a path you don't want to go on, right? We'll use this as an example. And my kids are like, yeah, I don't want that. You know, and then hopefully we can just guide them and put them in the right spots. Mm. 
What's the greatest personal struggle you've ever faced? I mean, probably just as a, as a husband and father when we, to lose everything. Just the last decade's been really hard on, on my wife and my kids. They've been so supportive. To go all in and to p- kind of push all the chips in the pot, it's been super hard to go through that. And I think that's part of the reason why I, I succeeded because I, I, I put these guys through so much. And, uh, you had to complete it. I had to complete it. Like, I remember laying on, the, laying on the side of the road on day 30 just in tears, and I was just like, it's just 20 more days. Figure out how to be perfect a minute at a time and let go of everything. It's okay, it's okay to be selfish for the next 20 days because if you're not, the last decade was a complete waste. And you're going to have to restart over in that now how much more sacrifice is going to be, right? Oh, my gosh. And so it's like you start to put moments into perspective. And, and that, that moment of me laying on the side of the road was probably eight minutes, right? It was an eight-minute intense conversation with myself where I was just like, it's like, it's like you hear when you, when you die, everything is going to like flash through and you're going to see your whole life. In those eight minutes, everything that we'd done and sacrificed at that point kind of like rushed through. And I had to make a decision. What am I going to do? And what does it look like in the next 20 days? And how, how do we conceptualize and, and make that like breakthrough to get, mm. get to that next point? At hour seven on 30 days or 20 days in, hour seven of the day, biking, running, whatever it is, what are you thinking about for those long stretches when it's just you on the road and maybe no one's around, no one's cheering at you? Yeah. What do you think about to just get through the next hour or the whole day? And What's the conversation you're having or not having? Yeah, definitely the conversation you're having. Seven hours into a 14-hour day, you're halfway maybe, especially in a, in a journey where it's seven weeks long. Before you start counting down, you're at race 20, you're not, even, you're not even halfway. And so those conversations are intense, right? You can think of a million reasons to stop moving. Um, but I think that was one of the coolest things that I got to experience on the 50 was those long conversations I got to have with myself. I think it was one of the, the most incredible byproducts that happened. I mean, I, th- I think people are so distracted and with everything that's going on, we're, we've missed an opportunity to sit down and talk to ourselves and to self-reflect. When was the last time anybody asked themselves who they wanted to be? When was the last time anybody asked themselves, have I forgiven myself for my past, right? Am I still carrying burdens? Am I still having conversations in, in my head from a decade ago? Mm. Why don't we replace that energy with something else, right? And so I, th- I think for me, and on the 50, I got to have every conversation. I mean, I had 50 really long conversations with myself. I got to forgive myself for everything in the past. I got to plan my entire future. Wow. And now I get to continue to try to be the best version of myself. I'm not, I'm not perfect. I struggle every single day like everybody else. But I just try to wake up. I try to put my feet on the ground. And I just try to go to work. Wow. And, and I, think that, I think if people can just, in those conversations, I, I wasn't thinking, what's tomorrow going to look like? What's the run going to look like tonight? I'm worried about being perfect for the next 60 seconds. Mm. Right? To get through those last 20 hours, it was literally 60-second periods. And if I could put together perfect 60 seconds, I had a shot at putting together a perfect hour. If I had a perfect hour, I could put together a perfect day. If I had a perfect day, I could put together a perfect 20. That's how I got through. But in those moments, I was never thinking. I'd gone through the entire thought process in the first 30 days. Yeah. And now it was, okay, now, now you're the Iron Cowboy. Mm-hmm. Now this is, a, this is a rebirth. This is an alter ego. 
And when I put on my glasses, mm. I was the Iron Cowboy. It wasn't James Lawrence. I was the Iron Cowboy. And that dude's a bad, bad man, right? And so as people, we need to figure out what our alter ego is. Because when things get the most difficult when we're backed into a corner, what are you going to do? What's your superpower? What, what's your, who is that person that's going to do it? And that's, that's who the Iron Cowboy is. That's who that dude is. He's the guy that he's been backed into a corner and he's, he's got to be selfish for a minute so that he can take care of everything in that moment that'll open up. And you, you got to take care of yourself before you can take care of anybody else. Mm -hmm. So for those 20, I had to become the Iron Cowboy so that I could take care of my family the rest of my life. The last 20. Yeah, the last 20. Was the conversations you were having more about forgiveness or the future that you wanted to create? I think you need a, a, a healthy balance of both. You have to forgive yourself in order to progress, right? Mm. And so that, that's got to be step number one. Right. Um, for, forgiveness. What was the hardest thing you, you had? You have to have a short-term memory, too. Yeah, yeah. You have a short-term memory and, and be okay with... Not holding on to something. Not holding on. Real quick, one of the best, one of the best books that I read was Eckhart Tolle. It's all about ego and, and the conversations that you're having with yourself that nobody else is having, and you're just beating yourself up and just, we need to, you know, deal it, replace it, get out and move on, right? One of the biggest, toughest things I had to forgive myself for, I think just just putting my, my family through what we did, and it wasn't my fault, but when we lost everything, I took that personally, uh -huh. right? That was a huge responsibility for me. We had five little, little kids, right? And the decisions I made after that, they were on me. And it was just really hard, even though it wasn't a mistake and I don't, I don't regret it, it's put us where we are today. It was just hard for, to forgive myself for, and my kids didn't know any different, my wife did an unbelievable job, but it's more, it's more for, for my wife, Sonny, forgiving myself for putting her through that. And, but we're ultimate support for each other. And yeah, so yeah. It's still something that I struggle with because uh, I wanna give her everything, right? And so I, that's why I'm working so hard today and, we're building a house now, and we've got some stability, which is great. That's good. But you got to let her suffer, you said. <laughs> a little bit of suffering. That's true. A little bit of suffering. Yeah. I'm not the guy to teach her lessons, though. Exactly, yeah. You're it's the guy to be there for. That's not my her. job. Yeah, yeah you right. teach your daughter's lessons. That's right. Yeah. That's my job. That's your job. Now, it's interesting you talk about the, the alter ego, because do you think you would have been able to complete it without an alter ego? No. Why not? Well, because we're, we're all human, right? You're too weak. We're too weak. Our alter ego is the superpower part of who we are, right? It's the perfect model of, of our imperfection. Mm. And, and without an alter ego in those most difficult situations, you hear these incredible stories of survival, life and death. Someone's able to do a heroic thing, right? That's their alter ego coming out in a life or death. They're, 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 they've been backed so far into a corner that their alter ego has to come out, right? And so I think everybody needs to find that alter ego, because there's gonna be, if you're on a journey and you're truly trying to progress and have impact and do, do really cool things and just grow as a person, there's gonna be a moment where you're laying on the side of the road and you need your alter ego to kind of bust through and, and, and do that. And so, but, but again, it goes back to you can't develop the alter ego unless you intentionally put yourself in situations and do difficult things and sharpen that mental toolbox, right? So it all goes all the way back to doing difficult things and, and not being stuck so that you can develop the alter ego. So when you've put yourself in a situation, you're backed into a corner and the world's against you, is that person there and ready to take on that moment? Wow. So when did you develop the Iron Cowboy as your alter ego? It became a brand in 2012 during the world record. I, I would wear a cowboy hat during the marathon portion so my kids could see me coming. And they, and they, they get to pick my colorful cowboy hats and it's, it's a family kid thing that was, was great, right? It was a brand 
on day 30 is when it actually became the alter ego, when I, when I had sharpened that toolbox enough. And it's the Iron Cowboy is just symbolic of the alter ego, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I truly believe that on day 30 in Connecticut on the side of the road, it was that rebirth. And that, that the, the real Iron Cowboy was born in that day. And on that day in Connecticut for the next 20 days, that was the highest level of showcasing the Iron Cowboy. Really? Where does your mind go when you turn on the switch? How does it know when to connect the switch to, I'm James just like starting out the Iron Man like four hours into, this is getting really freaking tough. I can't allow weakness to take over my mind right now, so I'm flipping the switch to the ego. Yeah, I don't think it's a flip that you consciously switch. I think it's almost fight or flight. Mm. And once you get good at it and practice it, you don't define or, or see the moment as, okay, I'm, I need to flip it. You're just in the zone. It just it just transitions, yeah. and next thing you know, boom, You're in it. I, I'm in it and I'm doing it. That's when we t- I talked about earlier, when the mind and the body come into, into, into sync with each other, right? That's a special place. It's like anything else. You, you have to practice that and get it. And people are like, how do, I, how do I flip a switch? How do I flip a switch? I'm like, you just gotta practice it, and it's just going to happen. And you'll know when it happens, and you'll be the baddest person on the planet. Yeah, when you'll believe, you'll believe nothing can space. stop you. Nothing can stop you. And during those 20 days, it was going to take an act of God to stop us. <laughs> oh, good thing it didn't. Now, how much uh, resistance training or mental toughness training or just pushing through these, the pain constantly do you think it took for you in order for that to come out? Where you defined like this alter ego? How many years of training? Yeah, how many years? You know, I truly believe that it was over two decades. Mm. Before the alter ego came. For sure. So you were just a human. I'm I'm still just a human. But you were just a human training the whole time. For sure. I grew up wrestling. Did six plus years of just intense. That was everything I did. And I learned a ton physically but, but mentally how to overcome that. I mean, I was a horrible wrestler when I first started and then went undefeated in my senior year. And so just learned a ton. I tell a fun story in the book about a, a, a contest in Calgary, where I, uh, the Calgary Stampede, because uh, that's where I grew up. There was a contest to see who could ride the giant Ferris wheel for the 10-day Stampede. And it was in those 10 days that their goal was absolute boredom. You couldn't do anything on the ride. 10 days. On a giant Ferris wheel. Never leaving. You had two 10-minute breaks. Oh my and, God. And so I learned a ton about myself mentally in those 10 Wait, days. Wait, you did this? Yeah. For 10 days? Correct. For two 10-minute breaks? A day, yeah. A day, gotcha. Yeah, two okay. time breaks a day, yeah, for, for 10 days. To go to the days. bathroom or something. Or... Right, and eat food, because you couldn't eat on the ride. So you had, you had to go to the bathroom and eat food two 10 minutes. Shut break. up. So I learned a ton. You slept on it? Yeah. Oh yeah, my they, gosh. They'd stop it at night and you'd sleep. And so so I learned during those 10 days, I was like, look, I've, I've been sharpening a mental toolbox for my whole wrestling career. Now, I've really honed in on this, and that was a special 10 days. That's kind of where I transitioned. I, I had one friend in Utah. I'd won some money. I got fired from my job. And so I, I hitchhiked a ride and, and had one friend in Utah. Ended up meeting my wife and, and still lived there 19 years later. But that was a massive turning point for me. But it was, it was not only a, a pivot in my life that changed the direction. It was the first early signs that, look, you've, you've got control of your mind. Let's, mm. let, last night, Rich Roll posed the question, are you born with it or can you develop it? Right? And we're talking about specifically me- mentally, mentally mental tough, toughness. Mental toughness. Are you born with it? Is it innate or can you develop it? I think everybody's born with a certain amount, right? We all have different talents, 
But you can have the most talented person in the world that doesn't develop it, and they're, they're useless. It's not a skill that they have. Mm-hmm. And you can take someone who has a small bit of genetic talent in, in a category and work their tails off, right? There was a kid growing up wrestling, and he was horrible, horrible wrestler. And I was like, this kid is never going to amount to anything. And he just had the smallest amount of talent. He showed up and outworked everybody. And I came back to the to the club years later, and he won the national championship. Wow. National championship. There was no way I would ever have said that this kid was going to. If you have a work ethic, you can overcome talent. Now, the, the perfect storm and the people that are at the highest level, you've got talent and work ethic, LeBron right? James. You you know, got, like, well, that guy's this is a genetic freak. Like, genetic freak, but he works. But he works hard. So hard. And he understands the principle. He is a guy, Simone Biles, Shaquille O'Neal, Michael Phelps, LeBron James, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, all these guys born with talent were put in a situation and given worked harder twos, than everyone else. And worked harder than everybody else. That's the perfect storm. That's your superstar. That's your, your Conor McGregor. That, you know, these are these icons that, that have changed and transcended their sport, right? Gift plus hard work. But same thing, you take a guy with a gift that doesn't know how to work hard, useless. Yeah. You take a guy that has little talent and can work hard, he can turn into something special. Yeah, he can. I believe I fall into that category. Mm-hmm. I crossed the finish line and they were like, you're gifted, you're special. And I'm like, dude, I, I'm not, I'm normal. And they're like, no, we're going to test you. And they put me through a series of tests and they came back and I was a normal white dude, right? Right, right. And, but they, what they couldn't test was my mind, my strength, my power, my ability to show up every single day. I love Conor McGregor who's quoted as saying, you're not looking at talent, you're looking at obsession. Our group was talented. I mean, uh, obsessed on what we were trying to do. And, and we showed up every single day. Conor McGregor, I, lo- I love MMA. When he, well, after he won the title, he said, doubt me now. Put your feet on, your, on the ground, wake up every single day and say, doubt me now. You don't have to know how you're getting to your destination. You don't know how you, put your feet on the ground and say, put on your glasses and say, doubt me now. And just go to work. Hard work can be talent when talent doesn't work hard, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I, I find myself in that situation. Do you feel like you've done certain things to prove to people anything? I don't care what anybody thinks anymore. But growing up, did you, you know, was this a thing where you needed to prove someone wrong or to prove day day 30 day 30 is when i had a massive shift it was the moment i stopped trying to prove everybody else wrong and i started to prove myself right mm. right once That's i the let, key. once i let everything go and focused on what i was doing and i was like look dude i don't i don't care what your agenda is because it doesn't matter i'm here to prove myself right i'm here to prove that when i reach my mental and physical limits what's the iron cowboy going to do that's what I wanted to do. That's what this whole journey was about. What am I going to do when I'm backed into a corner? And I, I could have walked up and gone home day 30, but what am I going to do? Am I going to do what I say I'm going to do? Am I going to get up and do, do 20 more, right? As soon as I stopped trying to prove everybody else wrong, prove myself right, boom, everything changed. How did it feel after that? Dude, unbelievable. Did yeah. you, you said you were your faster times at the end, too. Last 20. Did you feel relaxed and less stressed? And- less stressed. I stopped focusing on everything that I couldn't control. Mm. I allowed my team to be the role players they were supposed to be. Handle your business. Handle your business right now and let the team you've assembled handle their jobs. Mm. That's when it works, right? Stop trying to do everybody else's job. Own your space. Trust the people around you. Let that go. Stop focusing and worrying about it. Put all the energy into the next 60 seconds to be perfect, right? Yeah. That was that moment that mind-body... Came into, came into alignment. Wow. When did you realize that? What was the, the trigger for you to think that way, that you don't need to prove anyone wrong anymore? 
laying there on the side of the side of the road, focusing on all the negativity in social media that, that just the backlash that we were getting, decisions we were making. Dude, you don't have the right to criticize what I'm doing until you've done 30 consecutive yeah. consecutive Ironmans, right? To you in that position. Only then will I allow you to, to criticize. Share some feedback. Share <laughs> some feedback, right? Do something even close, then criticize me, right? You know, the famous quote, don't judge a man unless you've walked a mile in his shoes. Don't judge me unless you've done 30 consecutive Ironmans. Now we can start to have a conversation, right? Decisions that I make are decisions that I'm making for the best cause. The documentary we have, it just came out on Amazon Prime. It's free if you're part of their, e, the story of the 50. And people will get a good insight of really the, what we were dealing with behind the scenes. So you had a film crew the whole time too? And yeah. Yeah, that's great. yeah, we had a film crew there. And then if, if you're not Amazon Prime, pony up five bucks and, and watch it on Vimeo. It's available there too. And then of course we have the book, Redefine Impossible, that kind of dives into yeah. all the behind the scenes and the incredible people we met along the way. So Wow. Yeah, what a, what a crazy. Do you think crazy. if you didn't have that breakdown like on the road for those eight minutes, that you'd still be trying to prove people wrong? Yeah, I think so. I needed to learn that lesson. I needed to have that mind shift. I needed to let go. I needed to to allow the wingman, to allow Sonny, to allow my kids to to be who they are and, and trust. It's one of the biggest things I learned was was trust. Trust what you've put together. Trust the journey you're on. Trust your intuition. Trust your gut. Look, dude, it doesn't matter what other people are thinking. That That's their agenda. That's their opinion. You're not going to change people's minds. You've got to do you, right? And as soon as I was like, no, dude, I'm, I'm here for my family. I'm here for, for this. Everything changed, right? Mm. I, I let go and started focusing on the right things instead of trying to control the things I couldn't control. It's funny. For until about four years ago, and I talk about this on my, my show, I was always doing things subconsciously to prove people wrong about me. They said I wouldn't be able to do something, and I was like, let me show you. And I would have this alter ego of putting myself through so much pain just to prove like a few kids wrong about me sure. or to prove like a teacher or a coach or whatever it may be wrong about me. And I would be willing to sacrifice anything to prove them wrong, anything for years. Yeah. And I would get big results. I would achieve all those goals and prove them wrong and be miserable and unhappy. And I was like, why am I so unhappy and ungrateful for what I just achieved? I was like, well, I guess I just need a bigger dream to go after now. Yeah. And I would do that for another five years and achieve that dream. And I'd be like, why am I still not happy? And it wasn't until I realized, until I hit about 30 years old, I was like, man, I've been living my life trying to prove everyone wrong. And it got me to where I'm at, which was some big results, but also a lot of suffering and pain that was unnecessary. Yeah. And when I finally said, you know what, I'm going to do things because I love it and I want to lift others up. That's when everything started. Your motivation changed. Everything shifted. And I had just as much passion, just as much energy without the stress and the overwhelm. And so I love what you talked about, which was let's prove people right, let's lift people up, and not listen to the negative thoughts of people saying Well, you're not, you gonna, you're not gonna change those negative people. No. They are who they are, they're on a different journey, they're not open. Yeah. And so why not shift our focus and attention to things that, that thrive and that have, like, I, I wanna talk to people that vi are vibrating the same way that I'm vibrating, right? Yeah. And I wanna bring those people up. And, and every, when you wanna get on board, with yeah. this train, come on board because it's a lot of fun over here, and you can you can hang out with all y'all miserables over there, right. and, and you do you. I'm going to do me, and we're going to have a good time doing it. And uh, it, it, like like you said, in the experience that you had, everything shifts mm -hmm. when you start doing things and doing them for the right reasons. Right, yeah. everything kind of just falls into place. Wow. Yeah. What's your mental routine on a daily basis? Is there a certain practices you go through? Is there a reading? Is there a prayer? Is there meditation or something you think about to train your mind every day? Still. 
I get this question a lot, and I should maybe come up with a, a very specific routine. Process. Yeah, but with, I mean, life has just been so, so chaotic. I mean, last year I was in 30 countries, a lot of airplanes, a lot of hotels, a lot of in and out. Trying to get into a routine was difficult. Mm-hmm. One thing that's been co- constant is we're a religious family. And so to, to have a faith and to, and to have family, mm-hmm. um, those have been the main constants for us, right? So just waking up every day and being grateful. That's been the biggest catalyst for me is it's difficult for me every day and, and, I, and I struggle, but to, to wake up every day and try to be present and try to be grateful and focus on those things, that's my routine, right? And as soon as I, I start, the energy starts to get bad and, and whatnot, it's because I'm focusing on the wrong things. I'm trying to do for other people and prove them wrong and for different reasons. As soon as I get re-centered back, my wife's great at kind of bringing me back and calling me on the carpet. Um, but when we get back to that, that spot of gratitude and, and look, anything we send out, I mean, I'm, a, I'm huge on putting it out there, doing the work, and, and, and it'll come back to you. When things are going bad, it's because I'm focusing and sending out just this bad energy. And as soon as I read, the reason the 50 was so successful, I was 100, 200, 300% all in. Mm-hmm. You could not convince me that it wasn't possible. And I need to put that in all areas of my life and just trust that our gut feelings and our hard work and everything is going to put us exactly where we need to be. And we're going to track the things when they need to happen yeah. and just go forward with that faith and the belief. And so for me, just waking up and being consistent, my routine is when I'm grounded, when I'm around my family and I'm grateful, and mindful of that, that's my routine, and, and everything else just falls into place. Gratitude yeah. is the key, man. Gratitude is the key. This is a question that I ask everyone at the end. It's called the three truths. Oh, boy. And so imagine this is your last day. Many years from now, you get to choose the day that you're done on this earth for all that you know, right? And it could be 100, it could be 200, it doesn't matter. You pick the day, but you got to pick a day, and it's it. And you've created incredible things, right? You've written tons of books, you're speaking all over the place, you've done everything you wanted to create, all your dreams have come true. But for whatever reason, you've gotta take everything with you. And so no one has access to any of your information anymore. But you have all your family, friends there, it's a celebration, you're about to say goodbye, and they give you a piece of paper. And they say, we want you to write down the three biggest truths that you know about everything you've learned from life, the lessons that you would pass on to us in the world, and this is all we would have of your information. So you get to write down three things. What would be your three truths? Man, these are probably gonna be things that I really struggle with that I work on, so we just covered one of them, gratitude. Gratitude is, is the catalyst to everything, right? It's how we vibrate. I wish I was more playful and, and present. And a lot of these are probably very common answers that people have. And as I get older, they will probably change, right? Be grateful, be more lighthearted, and be, and be present. Just stop, stop, stop worrying about the small things. They're just a distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in, the, in the big picture, 99% of everything doesn't matter. Right. It, just, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. And so, yeah, I guess that's it. Would you say you're not a very playful person? It's surprising. I'm probably more of an introvert. My wife is super playful, right? And I watch them. And I'm like, I, I'm kind of envious of of mm-hmm. that. And I, I'm just like, I'm not. I'm not the type of person to get up and dance on a dance floor and whatnot. I'm just like, I'd rather just observe and, and yeah. watch and kind of be back of the room, mm-hmm. which is very bizarre because my on stage persona, people would never, never assume that. Which is kind of my alter ego, right? That sure. I, that, that has to come out in order it, yeah. to have to have the impact that we want to have. My authentic self is a playful person. 
and I think it's been lost along the way because of the experiences and the loss and the hardening things that yourself had and, and training hard myself and the social responsibility that I have to be the Iron Cowboy, right? There's, a, there's that whole aspect of it too that we never talked about. Mm. Um, just some kind of the social pressures and show when you up show up way. somewhere and you're expected to be... You gotta wear the beard, you gotta be tough, you, you gotta abs- have the persona. Absolutely, you be. and all of that. And so it, it's almost where you're like, I'm not allowed to be playful. I have to be the badass, mm. right? Says who? Exactly right. Who am I trying to? Who am I trying to? Who am I trying to? Yeah, this has been this has been a great, a great little 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 (laughs) conclusion. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to give you a challenge then. Yeah, let's do it. If you accept, if you choose to accept, for the next 30 days in a row, you have to do a 60 second dance party (laughs) every single day. Can it be just by myself? With someone else, and every time you're at home, it has to be with someone in your family, your kids, your wife. I will do this. And you get to film part of it. Okay. 30 days in a row. All right. With a friend. It could be strangers in the street. You're speaking on stage. You get everyone to dance for 60 seconds as a challenge to yourself to be more playful. Okay. If this is your truth. Okay. Then I'm going to challenge you. Do you accept or no? I accept. You accept. 30 days. 30 days. 30 days. All right. You're going to text me. Okay. At the end of 30 days. Perfect. And let me know if you completed all 30. Okay. And if you didn't complete all 30, if you miss a day, what's the... uh, the consequence for you. What's the stake? Man, that's a, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, 60 seconds. 60 seconds. 60 seconds. You can do anything for 60 seconds. Exactly. I talk about the perfect minute. That's it. This will be fun. What's the stake? You'll have to tell me. I'll do we'll whatever. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll figure, figure it out. out. Okay. Yeah. You'll have to do uh, a thousand push ups. Ugh, gross. A okay. day. Each time you miss a day. Okay. A thousand push ups. I'll do that. Have you ever done a thousand push-ups in a day? I have. Yeah. <laughs> it probably takes a long time. It does. Hours. It takes a long time. We, it takes a couple hours. I, I remember doing it with a, a couple of my wrestling buddies. We'd put on a movie and we would just do sets of 10 push-ups until we hit a thousand. It would take like two hours it or something. It, yeah. it takes a couple hours. So you have to do a thousand push-ups if you miss a 60-second dance party every day. Done. For 30 days. 30 you days. have to videotape them too. Done. You should document it. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Are there any questions you have for me before I ask the final couple of questions? No. Okay. Well, make sure you guys get this book. It's called Iron Cowboy, Redefine Impossible. The story of 50 Ironman triathlons in 50 days in 50 different states. There's also a documentary called The 50. The Story of the 50. The Story of the 50 on Amazon right now. Uh, You're on social media. Iron Cowboy James. Iron Cowboy James on all places on social media. Where do you hang out the most? Uh, Instagram. Instagram. Yep. Before I ask the final question, I want to acknowledge you for a moment, James, for being a symbol of inspiration to so many people because there's not many people who are willing to put themselves through that much pain in order to complete a vision for their life in that short amount of time. And to do something so audacious in the mind that everyone seems as crazy but you know is possible and to do it eventually for yourself and not for anyone else, I think is an incredible inspiration that you learn the process and the lesson of doing it for yourself or for your family, not to prove people wrong in the community. Also, I want to acknowledge you for your playfulness because I believe when you are playful and you bring out your heart, that's when you're going to impact even more people. For sure. So stepping out of the alter ego as much as you can when you're around other humans and giving us your heart, that's what's going to be mind-blowing and the most inspirational things. But I want to acknowledge you for that and for being so open today and sharing. Is there any question you wish more people would ask you that they haven't? 
I have never had that question. Man, I, I think people have really asked a lot of questions. Again, I'm a, I'm a more private person than anything else, and so I tend not to think of what else can people ask me. Right. <laughs> right. Um, What's the thing that would help everyone listening or watching right now that we haven't shared that could really help move people forward in their life in some way? Forgiveness, whether it's with you or other people, and, and stop having those negative conversations with yourself. They're hypothetical, right? And, and, they're, and they're holding us back. And, uh, and so I think if people can, can have those quick conversations and, again, forgive and move forward and be lighthearted, yeah. um, that, that's, that's going to kind of be the key. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, final question. What's your definition of greatness? What's my definition of greatness? For me right now in the space of my life, it's, it's being an example to my kids. I, I don't want to be remembered for the 50. I want to be remembered for being a dad. Mm-hmm. And it's cliche, but uh, my kids are young and... They're in an impactful part of the year. So greatness to me is is having my kids, me being a hero to my kids. Mm. Love it, James. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. It's great. <laughs> there you have it, my friends. Do you feel like you're becoming more superhuman and like you can achieve the impossible already after this interview? For me, I feel like I can. And I've already agreed to take on an extreme activity that I would never probably do after listening to uh, James. For me, he's inspiring me to get out of my comfort zone even more because I push myself hard. I train hard, but I do it in the way that I want to, right? I, I put myself through pain in the ways that I want to. And now's the time to challenge myself in other ways and types of pain that I don't want to, right? Types of endurance events that I'm not excited about, but I'm going to do one because he inspired me. So let me know what you guys thought of this episode. Again, lewishouse.com slash 653. Share on Instagram at lewishouse. All the show notes, the links, the book, the full video interview is back at our website as well at lewishouse.com. And if you haven't signed up for one of our books, we've got the Mask of Masculinity, the School of Greatness book. We've got so many incredible programs, books, products, go check out lewishouse.com for anything else that you may be interested in. I love you guys so very much. And as Maya Angelou said, you may encounter many defeats, but you must not be defeated. In fact, it may be necessary to encounter the defeats so you can know who you are, what you can rise from, how you can still come out of it. I love you. You know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash businessgoldcard. 
At Metro, get an iPhone 12 with 5G and a dual camera system for $99.99. Take amazing pictures and share them instantly. And don't put up with life's yada yada. Yada yada. Like photo bombers. Zoom, crop out, yada yada. And bye. You don't take yada yada in life. Don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Get iPhone 12 with 5G with no activation fees and nada yada yada. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Switch Metro, bring your ID. This offer isn't available for customers currently at T-Mobile or that have been with Metro in the past 180 days.